0: Hello, everyone. I'm Anthony Moore, and I serve as a senior pastor here at Carolina Church. I want to welcome you to Wednesday in the Word. Wednesday in the Word, we are embarking upon an introductory um, study on this new subject matter called debt. For those of you who've been following me, we've been dealing with self-discipline in the last seven weeks, but uh, we started our series talking about the mind moving to self-discipline and today i want to start talking about and teaching a little bit on this subject matter called debt d-e-b-t debt 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 on this session of wednesday in the word so come on let's get your, get your notepads get your pens get your bible and uh, let's see what god has to say to us as it relates to debt. Many of us have um, seen and have experienced um, the scene where a child starts yelling and crying at the top of their voice saying, I want it, I want it, I want it. Yeah, we've all watched this scene unfold in grocery stores, toy stores, and many of Walmarts. Many of you have not only watched it unfold for other parents, but you yourself have experienced this with your own children. Some of us have acted like children in an adult body. It's interesting to watch a parent try, without success, to stifle the um, cry um, uh, of—I'm sorry, Ronald. Stifle? Out of? How did we do that? I'm sorry, Ronald. Oh, man, okay, Okay. yeah, I'm gonna go back, Ron, I'm sorry, yeah, I'm sorry. You need to to adjust anything, or you good? No, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Mm -hmm. All right, Wednesday in the Word, ready? In three, two... Well, hello, everyone, I'm Anthony Moore. I want to welcome you to Wednesday in the Word here at Carolina Church, located in Fort Washington, Maryland. Thank you for your presence on today. Um, For those of you who have been following our Wednesday in the Word series, we started out dealing with the mind, the mind, mind your mind. And um, these last seven weeks, we've been dealing with self-discipline. On today, I want to embark upon a new subject matter. I want to start talking about debt, D-E-B-T, debt, that dreadful word. I want to start there on today, and uh, I want to see what God has to say to us, what instructions He can give to us regarding debt. Now I want you to get your pens, come on, get your paper and your, your notepad, get your Bible. And um, let's walk through this word together. Uh, Many of us have um, seen or experienced the scene where a child starts yelling and crying at the top of their voice saying, I want it. I want it. I want it. Yeah, we've all watched this scene unfold in grocery stores, in toy stores, in many of Walmarts. Many of you have not only watched it unfold for other persons and for other parents, but you yourself have experienced this with your own children. Some of us have acted like children in an adult body. It's interesting to watch a parent try without success to stifle the out of control screams of a child who's being denied something. It's human nature to want it and want it now but it's also a sign of immaturity it's human nature to want it and want it now but it's also a sign of immaturity being willing to delay pleasure for a greater result is a sign of maturity. I do want you to put that in your notes. I certainly do. Being willing to delay pleasure for a greater result is a sign of immaturity. However, our culture teaches us to live for the now. I want it. We scream and we get it. I want it. And we scream and we throw fits. And we get it, especially if we're willing to go into debt just to get it. Debt is a means to obtain the I want it before we can afford them. How many of you know that if you lie often enough, loudly enough, and long enough, the lie will become accepted as a fact? Repetition volume and longevity will twist and turn a myth or lie into a commonly accepted way of doing things entire populations have been lulled into the approval of appalling deeds and even participation in them by gradually moving from the truth to a lie throughout history Twisted logic, rationalization, and incremental changes have allowed normally intelligent people to be party to ridiculous things. Propaganda in particular played a big part in allowing these things to happen. We have our propaganda in our culture today, and I'm not speaking in a political sense, but rather recognizing that there are people out there who want us to think their way and who will go to great lengths to accomplish that. The financial and banking industry, in particular, are very good at teaching us their way of handling money, which, of course, leads us to buy their products. When we participate in what the crowd identifies as normal, even if it is a lie, we gain acceptance into their club. After time, we don't even realize that what we're doing is wrong because we've been taught that is just the way you do it. And so, we never ask why. As we participate in the lie, we learn to regurgitate the principles of the lie. And after years go by and we have invested more money and time into the lie we become great disciples and can preach and teach the points of the lie with great conviction and volume we become such experts on the myth that we can sell others on joining the lie debt has been sold to us so aggressively, so loudly and so often that to imagine living without debt requires myth busting. We have to systematically destroy the inner workings of the myths around debt. Debt is so ingrained into our culture that many of us can envision a car without a car note. A house without a mortgage, a student without a loan or credit without a card. Yeah, We've been sold debt with such repetition and with such fervor that most people cannot conceive what it would be like to have no payments. We don't know what it would be like to wake up to a no debt kind of a life. Billions with a B. Billions of credit card offers were put in our mailboxes because they're looking for new customers to push their product on. Americans currently have $841 billion in credit card debt, according to the latest consumer debt data from the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. A major barrier to winning against debt is our view of debt our understanding of debt and certainly knowing what God says about debt I think we can agree though, that debt is a severe problem in our culture I think we can agree that debt is a severe problem in our culture everywhere we look from most governments to a majority of individuals throughout the world debt is a way of life with consequences from mild to severe there are many opinions regarding debt and its impact but what really matters especially for us who are christians is what does the bible say about it what does the bible say about debt. So let's do this you all. Let's go ahead and define debt. What is debt? Let's go ahead. Let's start there. What is debt? What is debt? Well, debt is something typically money. It's something typically money that is old or due. Debt is something typically money that's old or do. That's it. That's it. That's all it is. I want you to notice, however, the definition doesn't even qualify debt as good or bad. It's simply a condition. Now, being in debt is owing someone something with the expectation that it will be paid back at some point in the future here is the million dollar question. Pastor, what does the Bible say about debt? Because the truth of the matter is, I have a whole lot of it. What does the Bible say about debt? Well, I want to start by telling you all there are many misunderstandings about um, scriptural teaching on the subject of debt. People often assume that the Bible takes certain positions about debt when it really doesn't. So I want to take a look at what does the Bible, what does the Bible um, say? But I also want to look at what the Bible doesn't say. All right? So I want to make sure that we're clear. I want to look at what the Bible says, but I also want to focus our attention on what the Bible doesn't say about debt. Now, let's start with what the Bible doesn't say, okay? Let's start there. The Bible doesn't say it's a sin to borrow. Let's start there, number one. The Bible doesn't say that it's a sin to borrow. The Bible offers many warnings about the dangers of debt. It never says that you are out of God's will or that you are violating one of God's commandments when you borrow. When we can debate, we can debate the wisdom of incurring debt under certain circumstances, but it's never a black or white issue. And there are cases where debt is unavoidable, such as um, medical emergencies or job layoffs, bankruptcy, you know. Um, often people will go to Romans chapter 13, verse eight to prove that borrowing is sinful. Here's, here's how it reads in Romans chapter 13, verse eight. Here's how it reads. It says, Oh, no one, anything except to love each other for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Now, you Bible scholars out there, clearly you all know, this verse is not necessarily talking about financial debt. Clearly this verse is mainly speaking about relationship, not money issues, not money issues. And so I wanna make sure that you understand. So then pastor, so what does the Bible say about debt? Number one, the Bible doesn't say it's a sin to borrow. The Bible doesn't say it's a sin to borrow, okay? Number two, the Bible doesn't say it's wise to borrow either. (laughs) Doesn't say it's wise to borrow. See, many of financial experts will tell you to leverage the use of borrowed money to buy assets for appreciation is the way to prosperity. But that's not a biblical perspective. Absolutely nowhere in the Scriptures are we advised or command to use debt to accomplish God-given economic goals. On the contrary, the Bible has many warnings against the use of debt. Okay? Let me give you another one. The Bible doesn't say God will bail you out of debt either. I want you to get this, you all. The Bible doesn't say God will bail you out of debt. Some believers who are heavily in debt seem to believe that God has promised to supernaturally get them out of their problems. The verse they usually use to point to that is Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. And many of us use this verse um, um, to pull on God, but let me be real clear. Here's what the verse says. It says, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now, let me just tell you all, that's true. He will. He will and he can meet our needs. But the context of that particular verse is specifically about those who supported Paul, the prophet, the pastor of the ministry, in his ministry. Paul is thanking the Philippians for their sacrificial giving. Now, here's why. They were a poor community, yet out of their poverty, they gave a financial gift for Paul to continue to do ministry. And Paul tells the Philippians that their gift was not in vain. Now, I need you all to understand something. God will meet their needs. And he says he'll meet their needs according to his riches, in Jesus Christ. But that particular verse does not apply to persons who are just in debt and they're believing that God somehow supernaturally is going to get them out of debt. I did not say that he can't, because he can. But if you're going to apply the Scriptures appropriately, then understand the context of which it comes. So here's what the Bible doesn't say. The Bible doesn't say it's a sin to borrow. Bible doesn't say it's wise to borrow the Bible doesn't say to you all that debt is an exercise in faith it does not say it's an exercise in faith all right let me go with this again the Bible does not say it's a sin to borrow Bible doesn't say it's wise to borrow the Bible doesn't say he will bail you out of your debt and number four the Bible doesn't say debt is an exercise in faith. To say that we're exercising faith by borrowing money is the same as saying that God needs to use a lender to meet our needs. In fact, in many cases, we put the lender in the place of God and let them fulfill the desires of our hearts as opposed to our true needs. In some ways, this can be seen as a denial of, of faith. Let me give you something else. The Bible doesn't say it's a sin to loan money. Just as the Bible doesn't say that it's a sin to borrow money, it doesn't say that it's a sin to loan money. Now, it's still important, it's important to remember that when you loan someone money, you inevitably change your relationship with that person, even if they're your own children. And that change and the change usually isn't for the better. Bible doesn't say debt is a sin or a result of disobedience. No, the Bible doesn't say that debt is a sin or the result of disobedience. We assume it does, but not because it says it directly. But because of what we've heard or what we've interpreted from other scriptures we've read let's let's take a look at a few um biblical verses or biblical references to debt i want to show you some things in the word of god where we'll see the word debt just so we can garner um, uh, a broader and comprehensive understanding about the word and the subject and the idea surrounding debt. Let's look at this, okay? Um, Number one, put this in your notes, debt is to be released. It's to be released. Debt's to be released. If you look at Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse one through two, I'm going to walk through this just and show you. Where the word debt is located in the bible look look at look at deuteronomy chapter 15 verse one through two here's what it says at the end of every seventh year wow now that sounds familiar at the end of every seventh year you must cancel the debts of everyone who owes you money this is how it must be done everyone must cancel the loans they have made to their fellow Israelites. They must not demand payment from their neighbors or relatives for the Lord's time of release has arrived. Now, what I want you to notice is that part where it talks about every seven years. That sounds familiar to me. Isn't that how our system, our credit system is built? It's really based on biblical principles, year of jubilee. All right. I want you to notice something else, you all. Um, It also tells us that those who were in debt came to David. I want you to see this. Those who were in debt came to David. According to 1 Samuel, according to 1 Samuel, chapter 22, verse 2 keep your bibles open we're going to just walk through this and see what's god's instructions around the word debt first samuel 22 verse 2 says this then others began coming men who were in trouble or in debt or who were just discontented until david was the captain of about 400 men about 400 men so what we see there is that you in fact um, those who were in debt came to david the first was debt is to be released the second is those who were in debt came to david came to david all right let's let's look at this next one how about um you've got to pay your debts got to pay your debts Look at 2nd Kings 4 verse 7 2 Kings verse 4 um, chapter 4 rather verse 7 um, Here's what it says. It says when she told the man of God What had happened? He said to her now sell the olive oil and pay your debts and you and your sons Can live on what is left over? What is left over? So he he shows us that he wants us to pay our debts. We ought to pay our debts, pay our debts. But then, here's the next one, is to forego the exaction of every debt. Now, the word to exact is to demand or obtain a payment of service. To exact is to demand or obtain a payment or service forego the exaction of every debt. Okay? Now, if you look at Nehemiah, chapter 10, verse 31, let me show it to you. It says, We also promise that if the people of the land should bring any merchandise or grain to be sold on the Sabbath or on any other holy day, we will refuse to buy it. Every seventh year, We will let our land rest, and we will cancel all debt, all debts owed to us." So we got to forego the exaction of of every debt, all right? Let's look at something else. Here's another one. Here's another piece of instruction. He tells us, do not become guarantors for debts. Do not become guarantors for debts. If you look at Proverbs 22, verse 26, he says, don't agree to guarantee another person's debt or put up security for someone else. Um, um, he, he tells us, you all, do not guarantor, do not be the guarantee for any person's debts wow um, can't, can't can't be I can't be the person to 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 guarantee the loan if you look at um, Matthew 6 verse 12 he tells us something else there he tells us to forgive debts Matthew 6 verse 12 and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors Wow forgive us of our debts y'all And the bottom line is he wants us to forgive debts now in this instance we're talking about the offense and the obligation that persons have created towards you because of some deceit some lies something that's been done so he says to us um, forgive us of our debts as we have forgiven our debtors but then here's another one. He says, forgive because your debts have been forgiven. If you open your Bible and look at, for me, Matthew 18, I want to look at verse 27, verse 30, verse 32, 34, and, th- and verse 34. Let's start with verse 27. It says, then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt, forgave his debt. Go to verse 30, but his creditors wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. Verse 32, then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Verse 34 says, then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt debt. I want you to get this. We have a responsibility to forgive others who have a debt with us as we have been forgiven by others that we had a debt with. Let me give you something else. How about um, include this in your notes. He who is forgiven much debt, he who's forgiven much debt loves much but he who's forgiven little debt loves little. If you look at Luke chapter seven, verse 42 through 43, um, verse 42 says, but neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both canceling their debts. Now, who do you suppose loved him more after that? Verse 43 says, Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. Yeah, I'm gonna look at one more area regarding debt that I think is important, um, and that's what Jesus did on the cross. Wages like a debt old must be paid. Yeah, wages like a debt old must be paid. Now, uh, in a minute, I'm gonna talk about Jesus going on that cross. But the truth of the matter, all uh, the truth of the matter is. You know, wages like a debt old. it's got to be paid. Um, um, and I think it, it's in Romans 3, Talks about the wages of sin is, is death, but the gift of God's eternal life. Look at Romans 4 and 4, though. Look at Romans 4 and 4. In Romans 4 and 4, it says, now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt, mm, but as debt. See, Jesus canceled the record of debt we owed by nailing it to the cross. He canceled the debt that we owed by nailing it to the cross. Colossians chapter 2 verse 14 tells us, He canceled the record of the charges against us, took it away by nailing it to the cross. Now, the Bible's central message regarding debt is that it should be, here it is, number one, managed. Number two, released slash canceled. Number three, paid. Number four, forgiven. I don't care how you look at this, you all, you can sit here, we go through the Bible all day. And as you do, what you're gonna see is that the central message around debt is either one, managed properly, released or canceled paid or forgiven it doesn't always refer to debt as financial as it is overwhelmingly um, focused on on our response to debt situations while only referencing one verse instructing us not to guarantee a debt another way to say this is that 90 percent of the scriptures using the word debt are about how we should respond to it, and only 10% on avoiding it. Hey, Pastor, what, what are you saying? I'm to make sure I'm clear on what you're saying. Pastor, what are you saying? Um, are you saying that debt is something we should engage in? No, absolutely not. I don't believe financial debt should be a pursuit for anyone. But we should not ascribe morality, though, to debt issues or simply judge them to be wrong in all situations. Doing so would be unfair and literally could lead to all kinds of abuses. Hey, listen, you all, that's my time. I I really thank you for yours today. I'm going to pick up here next week and um, give you some more on this. But I kind of want you to have a framework for which I'm going to be working, and I want you to see exactly what the Bible says about debt as I lift before you some principles that God intends for us to be governed by. Thank you for your time today. I I do pray that this has spurned some thought in your own mind, even about how we view debt and how we have bought into some of the myths that have been given to us. Let me ask you this and before I close. Can you imagine your life without debt? Do you really believe that you can navigate through life without having to go into debt to accomplish anything? that's where i want to get us i want us to start looking at this from a biblical perspective and see exactly what it is god has in store for us and listen before i let you go our ministry has three objectives three three objectives and those three objectives is number one is that gets you connected to god number two is that gets you connected to people And number three is to get you connected to this ministry. It's in the order in which I've given them to you are the priorities for this ministry. Our first priority is to get you connected to God. Our second priority is to get you connected to people. And then our third priority is to get you connected to this ministry. Now, Pastor, how do I get connected to God? We can get you connected to God first by way of relationship. We wanna show you how to enter into a relationship with God. Secondly, by restoration. For those persons who have walked away from God and find the need um, or have the need to be reconnected to God, that's restoration. Or it could be through rededication. We can get you connected to God by rededicating your life back to the Lord. The third way that we could get you, or the fourth way we get you connected to God is by way of baptism um bible tells us to be baptized the last way that we can get you connected is through information education and us teaching you and sharing with you exactly what it is that god intends from to have from you and i so i want to teach you who is god i want to teach you who is jesus christ who is the holy spirit And what is our relationship to each one of them so that's what we could do you all in terms of getting you connected to God but then here's the other one getting you connected to people getting you connected to people is really about fellowship God intends for us to be in fellowship one with another he said in his word about even Adam it's not good that man should be alone because God created us As social beings social creatures he created us that way we are better together so what we like to do is to help you become a part of a fellowship by way of our small groups or by way of our ministries where we in fact do ministry here at this church beyond these walls here's another way we can get you connected outside of um, people outside of God is by way of this church called Carolina we have a a course that's called um, new members foundation that helps you to know what's required of you in the event that you want to become a member of this branch of Zion we'd love to enroll you in that class you can take it at your own leisure but we would love to get you connected to this ministry now whether you want to be connected to God connected to people or connected to carolina church just go ahead and put it in the chat and i have persons who are waiting to come alongside of you to tell you what your next steps are hey listen i want to thank you so very much for your time today before we sign off would you consider worshiping god through giving today let's honor the lord through giving let's honor god through giving on today we bring god the tithe we bring him the offerings but we never come before his presence without giving him something. Would you consider worshiping God through giving on today? For this place called Carolina Church is good ground. Well, I hope I've given you something to gleam on for the next few days until I come back about this whole idea around debt. I hope you're thirsty. Because I want to quench that thirst with the Word of God about this subject matter so that you can be better with the resources that God's given unto you. Hey, listen, on your mark, get set, let's grow. Love you much. God bless you.